Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Welcoming you along to the programme on this Wednesday morning. John Paul is back with us today, taking your calls at 1850-333-103. And I want to start by giving a quick mention to a coffee morning and a raffle that has just got underway and is on until half past 12 today in the Corbett Court in Ballyhay. And it's a coffee morning and raffle in aid of Marymount Hospice. It's in a really, really good course. So if you're around Ballyhay this morning, would you pop in please and have a cup of coffee? Uh, it's in a, as I say, very, very good cause. And don't forget, uh, we are right across this week looking for your cheesy jokes. We will open the text and WhatsApp on this later on on the programme. Your chance to win a night at a cheese fondue night. It's been organised by the Cozy Cafe on Church Square in Kinsale. They're holding fondue nights on the 27th of October, 10th and 24th of November and then the 1st, 8th and 15th of December. But on Sunday the 3rd of November, there's going to be a special C103 fondue night and we've been giving away tables to go along we've had a winner on Monday and a winner on Tuesday the idea is whoever wins whoever comes up with the cheesiest joke of the day they become the winner and they along with uh, four of their friends can go along to this cheese fondue night but you need to be available and you need to have four friends to be able to join you our four family members it's up to yourself on Sunday the 3rd of November so keep working on your cheesy jokes please and we'll let you know Uh, when you can get them in to us. Mary already has been on with what she deems a cheesy joke. She says, do you know what it means to come home to a man who gives you love and understanding, compassion and good sex? It means you've gone to the wrong house. (laughs) Mary is deeming that a cheesy joke. You're too early with your cheesy joke, Mary. If you want to enter, you'll have to get back on to us a little bit later on on the uh, programme. And certainly there's nobody cracking jokes. I'm feeling like hearing a cheesy joke this morning down in the Novartis pharmaceutical plant. We were expecting bad news when we heard yesterday that the 550 employees had all been asked to attend a special meeting this morning. Alarm bells started to ring and of course the news has come through that 320 employees are to lose their jobs. Novartis has been operating there for 25 years. They're a Swiss-owned company. When they were pressed yesterday to find out what was going on, they wouldn't provide any more information and the company said that they weren't going to say anything because they wanted to firstly share in the first instance the news with their employees it's a little bit of cold comfort now for the employees but at least they were war putting the employees first I think there's nothing worse 
and this has happened over the years where there's links to the press and people find out their job is gone and they find out their job is gone because they turned on the radio or they turned on the TV and there's nothing worse than that. So it's a little bit of cold comfort for the workers today that at least the management stood before them and I'm assuming tried their best to explain why 320 jobs are to go. They've been operational there, as I say, since 1994. It's an €850 million facility. I mean, this, this is a big, big facility. It includes operations, quality control, laboratories, warehouse technology, I, IT and engineering uh, services. And when you look at Novartis themselves, they are a massive company. They have 220 subsidiaries and approximately 130,000 employees worldwide. And their products are sold in more than 180 companies. Now, I don't know if it's a case of some of their products have come off licence, which means now generic versions of the drug can be sold and that always has an effect on the uh, on a pharmaceutical company. But that's always been the case. It's kind of, it's like swings and roundabouts. It's up and down, it's up and down. They'll produce a drug and they'll be able to spe- sell it at a huge sum of money and then it'll be when it comes off licence then everybody else gets in on the act and they'll lose on that one but then usually they've produced another drug that takes over from it but I'm wondering is it's going to send ripple waves and shock waves across the other pharmaceutical plants Uh, in that area. I'm sure there's a lot of people getting a bit nervous. We're going to be talking in a couple of minutes. We'll speak with Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter. We sent her down to Novartis this morning and we will find out a little bit more from Fiona, interesting and I'm very interested to hear what the the workers have to say and what what they're making of it. We're going to hear this morning about two North Cork playgrounds that have been closed due to vandalism. How do we stop this type of vandalism from reoccurring because it certainly is reoccurring and we're days away from the Halloween midterm break and if we get nice weather you know families will be looking for places to go to with their children and you know the local play park playground is always a great place to for the children to burn off some energy and have a bit of a run around for a couple of hours and now to hear two of them are closed it, it really is uh, shocking and actually on children having a little bit of a run around we're also going to feature the amount of sugary treats that children are uh, eating. It's gone from the occasional indulgence to an everyday reality with one in ten children at, le- at least once a day eating a sugary treat. It's new research come out from Safe Food. They found that parents are giving their children treats to control their behaviour. They're giving them as bribes. They're giving them as rewards. Or they're giving them sweets to placate them, to quieten them down. And we've all been there as parents. We've all had a moment where you want your child to be quiet and, oh, here, you know, have a bag of crisps here, have a bar of chocolate, whatever uh, it is. But it seems from this research that that's getting worse. It's happening on a daily basis and children are now eating too many sugary sweets and uh, treats. And of course, the knock-on effect is obesity. We're having a huge problem with obesity in adults, but we're also having a problem with obesity in children. So what do we do? How can we control it? How do we stop How do we get that message across to parents that they need to stop giving sugary treats and everybody else that's around the children? Grandparents need to step up to the mark on this. Grandparents have a tendency to be 
very kind and very generous when it comes to their grandchildren or are they only adding uh, to the problem? So we'll talk about that but we welcome your thoughts and comments. And then should parents be forced to take parenting classes if their children are involved in antisocial behaviour or public order offences? I mean, I think the majority will say absolutely yes. I think there's very few reasonable people will say what a child does, you know, isn't it's not the fault of the parent because I think what gets asked is when a child gets out of control and we're talking about reoccurring antisocial behaviour, the question has to be asked, you know, why doesn't the parent know what their son and daughter are up to? And we're talking about 12, 11, you know, 12, 13, 14, that kind of age group of uh, children. Should parents always know where their their children are and should they be able to control their children? And if they're not able to control their children, do they need to be given the skills and the tools? Do they need to be given parenting classes? Should we force them, make it mandatory through the courts that they have to go to these parenting uh, courses? There There are many, many parents go to when they see themselves that their child is getting out of control, they will go to parenting uh, classes and there have been some wonderful courses where parents will admit I've spoken with parents over the years who have gone to various, you know, night classes where there's parenting classes in their area, their local community centre and they just learn the skills and they learn the tricks of what to do, how you control a child that's getting out of control and I suppose more importantly, how do you get in there early enough so that that child doesn't get out of control? That kind of really ties in with all the children with the sugary sweets. I mean, if you're constantly giving your children sugary sweets because of bad behaviour, you're giving them because of good behaviour and if you're constantly almost spoiling the child by giving them all of these sugary treats, giving into them, when they get older and then they go a little bit off the rails and a sugary treat isn't, isn't enough, isn't it hard then to start bringing in good parenting skills? So maybe the parenting skills, the good positive parenting skills need to be done at a very very young age. It is Christmas shoebox appeal time of the year. This is a great thing I think that you can do with children, particularly with midterm coming up next week. If you're looking for us to while away an afternoon, get the children involved in filling what goes into the shoebox. We'll find out the do's and don'ts of what you can put in and also what you can't uh, put in. And it is Wednesday, so that means Peter Dowdle, our gardening expert, will be joining us on the programme this morning. If you have a gardening question for us, you can get it in to us now. And as we've been reporting in the last hour here on C103, a total of 320 jobs are to go at Novartis in Ringeskiddy. Workers had been called to a meeting at 8 o'clock this morning. Our senior news reporter, uh, Fiona Corcoran is in Ringeskiddy. Good morning to you, uh, Fiona. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you're welcome. Have Novartis stated why the job losses are necessary? They've just said that it's part of a global review that has been ongoing for the last couple of years. And I think when that review started, um, people here were under the impression that the operations in Ringeskiddy would be safe. But unfortunately, it's not to be. And um, they've just said that um, it's just because of the economy worldwide um, and that they they have issued a statement, they've given us a statement here this morning and they said that it, it's a strategic decision and part of the ongoing evaluation of the Novartis Manufacturing Network around the world and transformation programmes. Now, um, they are letting 220 people go from here and that's going to be divided up between the two divisions that they have. They have a manufacturing operation and 240 staff will be gone from there and they have a global service um, 
centre and there's going to be a further 80 redundancies there. Now, the first redundancies will be made next year and that will be at the Global Service Centre. Um, the manufacturing um, operations then redundancies will come into effect there in 2022. So it's over a period of two and a half years. So none of the job losses will be immediate. And the company has said that they will be negotiating and there will be a consultation process with staff over the coming uh, years. But um, I was speaking there to one of the staff members who had just come off the night shift and he said that, um, you know, that some, like obviously there's a, a huge amount of shock and concern here this morning but a lot of people are holding on to hope that maybe there may be a breakthrough in this and that you know it might change over the next while I think you know with job losses like this if they were told that the job losses were instant obviously it's it's a massive blow to everybody but because there's time um, you know people are kind of hopeful that maybe some sort of a um, yeah, and there could be some change in uh, globally in the worldwide. Yeah, something could happen. Okay, it was Joe. I think you were talking to, was it coming off the night That's shift? Right, yeah, okay, Barry. I have. Yeah, I have a little clip uh, from him, and this was Joe uh, talking a, a little while ago to Fiona. It's kind of a global thing, I suppose. Really, it's um, it's what the it's the way the API pharmaceutical companies are going. Really, it's smaller volume contracted out because they say it's cheaper. As you expect, morose people are worried. Um, a lot of us are there 25, 30 years. So we see what way it pans out. It could change. Like I'm there a long time as well, yeah. It could change. You wouldn't like these things can change. I, I don't hold out much hope, but it could change. We knew things were coming down the line, you know. We knew things were changing in there. But they had invested a lot of money in there as well. So we were kind of hoping. But again... I'd never say die. Is it a shock? Um, I suppose it is. It is in a way. We like we know they were trying to sell the place, um, but they, as I said, they put a lot of investment into the area as well. I suppose it's like all the factories down through the years, Ford's, Dunlops, they all did the same thing. You know, just just a wipe of a pen. You know, it's not going to work. We can do it cheaper somewhere else. You know, the demographic, the age demographic, might have something to do with it. I think we've quite a an older demographic, but I'd say you'd be hopeful that you'd pick up something, you know. I personally think that yeah, there might be a chance that something would happen. You could have a corporate change of policy. That's probably just trying to look on the bright side, really. Go on, Joe. And that's, that's, the, that's the only thing he really can do. Uh, interesting that he said that they've invested heavily. I mean, it's an €850 million Euro facility. You know, this, yeah, it's a big facility. Said, you know, that they've made a uh, the big investment here, which has just been finished, um, and it would seem strange that they would put such an investment into a plant and then um, announce these job losses. Now, I suppose it is important to point out that Novartis is not leaving Ring of Skiddy. It will remain here. And um, they said that they will continue um, to play an important role in making medicine for Novartis. Um, Novartis has like 100 plants right across the world. Um, and it's said that uh, the global business services will also continue be, to be delivered here at Ring of Skiddy as well. So they're not leaving the area. But I suppose the fact that 320 people will be out of a job is a significant blow to this region. And um, I've just been speaking there to Councillor Seamus McGrath, who's obviously from this area, and he said that it is a massive blow to the whole entire region. A lot of people from this area are employed here. A lot of people who aren't from this area um, would commute down here and they'd stop off at 
shops. Um, so, you know, there'll be uh, an impact right across Ring of Giddy um, because of this. And I suppose there's the fear as well that with pharmaceutical companies, we have a huge amount of pharmaceutical companies here in this area. Um, and there's the fear now that others may follow. But of course, that's just, um, that's just, talk down here this morning um, you know, but there will be it. there will be a ripple effect and it will say, send mm. shockwaves to the other pharmaceutical companies yeah and I mean as Joe was saying there as well like he's been working here for 18 years a lot of people have been here for over 25 years and a lot of people um, might be in that demographic where they're you know that they thought that they had a job for life here mm. and they didn't think that they'd have to look elsewhere for a job and they may find it difficult to find an alternative employment so there has been investment here in other companies recently, um, like Janssen there announced jobs, um, announced job, new jobs there in the last couple of weeks. So I suppose people are hopeful that they may find alternative work here in the region. But for some people, that might not be a possibility. So obviously, that's going to be a huge concern for people here today. OK. All right, listen, we leave it there. Thank you for that, um, Fiona. And Thank thanks you. for joining us. That is uh, Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter, joining us from outside the Novartis plant in uh, Ringeskiddy with the news that 320 jobs are to go, but they're not to go instantly it'll be over a number over the next number of years and of course that's coming off the back of the the Molex announcement that's that was a huge but I came as as I heard one a local politician saying it was a complete bolt out of the blue. Nobody saw that uh, coming and that's just to close lock, stock and barrel. Everybody uh, will be losing their jobs in uh, Molex in the Shannon region. Uh, 1850-333-103 Some of your calls in on this. Gareth in Belgooley. I do think other companies will be looking what to see what pharma companies are doing. However, if you look at how many in Cork work in the pharma sector, many of them on very, very decent wages. If more were to follow Nervartis, it could cause devastation in Cork as many of the people, the workers there, go out to spend their money and invest their money in the city and county by buying houses, purchasing cars, doing their shopping, doing their socialising. And they spend the money that they make in the industry. So there is, a, as Fiona said, there is a knock-on effect to other businesses when there's a big job loss announcement like this. And Kitty and Carrigaline, I really do hope jobs are found for those who have lost theirs this morning. Bad time. Bad time of the year with Christmas just around the corner. I just hope those working there will be entitled to redundancy. Well, absolutely, they'll be entitled to, uh, to redundancy. But at least they don't have to worry about a job loss this side of Christmas because the news is that it's going to be uh, spread out I think up to did I see 2022 I think before all the jobs are finally gone and as Joe that lovely man who's worked there for 18 years said you don't know what's going to happen in the meantime things might just change stay hopeful Joe that certainly is the key 1850 John Paul taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 Eggfoilamach quiddenanihe is farlin. Shae troer C103 air kirkig. Oskliach park glauna tromor ledianni erin devo yastun gahir. Agazis fader shu nutamontrige. Hogalorodiger fader yan of Safork. Ha rian BMXan. Unodakwech de fener. Is fader rugby a immertown. Dollar q lodi. Agasta un dome aun. Is fader raika oiler galordus na deal sun to shata gurkig. Un wing to fiachanisha. Ha park glauna tromorde erin devo yastun gahir. Nukta, quid denaniha is Fari Gorkig, C103. C103 brings you Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Saturdays at 10am and Wednesdays at 10pm. 
can you outline some of the main Chagask recommendations for the safe application of pesticides? It says on the label what distance to keep away from public sources of water. Turn on Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Agribusiness for quality feed, expert service and support you can trust. Only on C103. Vandals are causing tens of thousands of euro worth of damage to children's playgrounds. And in North Cork, due to the extent of some of that damage, two of the playgrounds have had to close. Joining me from the Formoy Municipal District Council is Councillor Deirdre O'Brien. Good morning to you, Deirdre. Morning, Patricia. And you're welcome. OK, tell me about these two playgrounds and the type of damage that has occurred that's forced the closure of them. Yeah, well, I suppose the two that I was involved in was Mitchellstown and Kilworth. And I suppose where we find that, you know, there, some of the equipment now can is um, breaks. And I suppose it just, what I always found is first it was that it belonged to the Cork County Council to fix the toys in the playground. And I suppose my argument is why do we put in things that, like, are fiddly or sadly that, you know, um, apart or hard to get and then they've been closed all summer. And one then in Kilworth, like a child got injured and, you know, so if they'd no choice then to close it down. But I think it's just taking so long to get the parts and get the equipment fixed. And that was a loss of it. But like you do have the you have the vandalism as well, you know, and what you call it I suppose. Sorry, can you just move slightly with your phone? Yeah. The 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 sound is just I'm okay. I'm finding it a bit difficult to, to to understand. Yeah, that seems a bit better. Uh okay, so you're talking about so it's a combination of wear and tear? Yes. And yes. vandalism. There is a bit of that as well. There is. And I suppose it's what they say, you know, it, we were kind of looking maybe people um, for people to mend the, the playground. Like I remember I was involved in um, Clancy Street for my and actually at the time we put up um, a stone bridge in it and like there was a lot of controversy time and there's, you know, foreign games or whatever. But actually it's there, it's solid and people and kids do enjoy it and it looks lovely. But at that time Clancy Street was actually mend and it still is. Someone have a key, they open it in the morning, they close it at night. And we need to keep it so well. And I suppose that's where we probably have to go down the road of to ensure that, um, you know, that everything is kept in order in the playground. It's not possible, is it, to put in CCTV in children's playgrounds? No, not in children's playgrounds. No, no. Unless you can put it in at night, then all right, like whether you work it at night and not during the day when children are ba- there, you know. But, like, I don't know whether, like, is, is it children that come in at night? But I don't know. I hope to God it's not. I don't think it's small children. I mean, we would often get complaints from parents who feel a little bit intimidated by teenagers congregating in in playgrounds that are designed for smaller children. I mean, they were never designed for teenagers. No, no. And that was the worst thing, even even like I suppose Cork County Council has kind of put in stipulations in their planning that playgrounds is provided inside in housing states. But I've had housing states come to me saying, no, we don't want them. Like, I myself would say a green area is as good as a playground, you know, go out there and play a football or pick something around you. You know, we didn't have playgrounds when we were young. And I think, you know, and it's easier to maintain, but they, are, they have become places for um, loitering, hanging out for the address. I suppose those children don't have a place to go at night. But like I was saying, should be home, probably in their homes, but they're not. But it's another issue. But, you know, I suppose maybe they are men, maybe there's a lot put them in, in I suppose, there's a lot of playgrounds you can't actually put locks in. You know, there might be open, but I think 
it might be it's the only solution I think really mm. key on sad state of affairs and that's what we have to do with our playgrounds and we're coming oh, up to is. Halloween midterm it begins this weekend I mean it's, it's just shameful that you know for small local children they won't have a playground to go to yeah yeah and I suppose where I was coming is from the summertime like we had Kilworth there and clothes and summertime but like the the car in which um, in which there was a car and they had a big barricade up around the concert but they were waiting for parts for that as well but like that was all summer long and it was such a nice sort of connection to be truthful with you the barricade around it was a little more dangerous because they were kind of trying to get into the car and trying to climb it and different things you know and the same with Kilworth they had to close Kilworth that we should be getting them if we can at all at those playgrounds ready for summertime and not have the being sorted now which is quite late in the and year. I'm assuming the councillor is saying what we don't have the money to do it no they were saying they're waiting for a part and I suppose by time they get a contractor in to fix or whatever you know that's, um, I suppose you know yourself now some equipment um, might have specific parts to it and something and it's hard to get and they were waiting to get them I suppose they're under lots of them this safeguard group and I suppose they're here to compliance and you know there's, there's a lot of you know yourself now risky attached like, like I suppose I'm saying, putting something in that's simple, something that, you know, is um, functional, but simple enough that doesn't have all these fiddly parts. It's like, you know, find like buying ties to children, something that's known to bits for them, but you can buy a good functional tie that lasts forever, you know. And I suppose if you put in a good first day, you have a chance of lasting forever. Okay. Okay. Like that, I do think, um, but I do think they should be in working state for the summer. It's a summer holiday for the children. And I can look hopefully it's going to be a good weather week and they can use it again, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if we get if we get a good spell, and we often do get the October midterm can often be a good dry spell, you know, you can wrap kids up and, and bring them out. It's just, it's disappointing yeah, yeah. Uh, for the parents. And just before we let you go, Deirdre, just on a different topic, you're, you're looking for, you're calling for a disabled parking space to be placed outside the post office in Donorail. Just explain why that's needed now more than ever. Yeah, I suppose, look, it's brought my attention was the public representative and, and I saw there where um, there were some people, elderly people, coming to post office pension day or just, you know, um, we'd say sitting against the stamps and mostly with those emails and that. And they had to park a good distance away from the post office. So, and I suppose, look, they wished to put post office in the area after having closed down, like you'd have to the post house and um, there was a couple of them. Ballyclaw. Yeah, but exactly, exactly. They had closed. So it's more coming to Darren. And I suppose, look, Darren, it's great. Darren um, is, you know, doing well at the moment. It's attracting more people into it. And it just felt that it was difficult for these people. So I was going to look for it. Um, I was thinking to say uh, Parking Bay. Now, the Stable Parking Bay does have, um, I suppose, restrictions to it. It's a Stable Parking Badge. But, and it's also police. So I was inquiring about the age-friendly because I wasn't quite sure what the criteria was. But would they put an age-friendly? Now, age-friendly isn't pleased, which is what people would respect us. Listen, and there's a number of age-friendly parking spaces in uh, Mallow and you, there, you often drive down through the town and there's no parking around and that age-friendly one is always free. So I don't, I think people are recognising them yeah. and are not abusing them. That's good. Yeah. And it's good to hear that. And that's what you'd hope for. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So know. even if you've got something like, like that, because who decides? Who who decides the creation of either a disabled parking bay or the age-friendly one? Is that a council decision? It is. It oh, is, is it? Okay. And, yeah, and it's our senior executive engineer announced that he would actually look into it, investigate into it. Okay. And the, pos- the response was quite positive that day, actually. I was delighted with it. 
Well, especially when other post offices close, which means people living in the other areas, they have to drive, they can't walk, they're too far away. And if yeah. it's elderly people coming to get pensions and etc., you've got to make, make it as easy as possible for them. Okay, yeah. uh, Deirdre, we'll leave it there. Thank you for that. No bother. Thank and uh, thanks uh, for uh, joining us. That is from Moy Municipal District Council, Councillor Deirdre O'Brien. The C103 Cork Diary is a free service to help non-profit organisations all over Cork. So if you're a community group or a charity that's holding a fundraising event or meeting, send us the details at least one week in advance and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email info at c103.ie. The Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. C103. This is the Cork Today. Replay on C103. According to a new report into healthy food choices, almost half of parents admit that they reward their children with chocolate, crisps, or ice cream for good behaviour. So, to discuss a campaign aimed at encouraging healthy eating for children, I'm joined by Sarah O'Brien, who is HSE National Lead on the Start campaign. Good morning to you, Sarah. Good morning. Uh, You're welcome. Are we simply buying too many treat foods compared to, say, previous generations? Yeah, Patricia, I suppose we know from previous research that uh, parents are, uh, that that these foods make up a significant amount of the uh, food basket. For, for most families every week. Um, so the, we are we are buying more of them than uh, previously. Also, I suppose the other thing that's very clear to anybody who walks into into a supermarket or, or a shop um, these days is that these type of um, foods are readily available. They're heavily promoted. They're quite heavily discounted in many cases, two for one or three for two offers, etc. Um, and they're accessible. They're they're all around, so that does make it, uh, I suppose, harder um, for for people to to turn away from them. But I suppose one of the um, and one of the key things that we are um, asking parents to to do and to look at in making changes when it comes to uh, their their family shopping and their uh, the amount of treats that their children uh, yeah, cause have if access you, if, to is if, not buy them. Yeah, if you don't have them in the house, yeah. because we know what pester power is, is like. Yeah, and that like that is the, I suppose what we know is, and, and what parents are telling us in this research is that um, these treat foods, which used to be occasional, which they consider uh, a treat, should be um, occasional, but there's just kind of been a cultural change where these are now becoming the norm. So it's normal to have biscuits and um, chocolates and ice cream and that and crisps in in your home. It's normal to have them as part of your your weekly shop. Um, But they, parents, also tell us that they, when when they think about it, they recognise that that's not what they want. Um, they don't want it to be be the norm because they're aware of the negative impact it can have on their children in terms of um, short-term things like dental health, uh, the fact that uh, these foods are also displacing other nutritious foods in, in their children's diet. And we, and we know that children in Ireland now have... Um, that, that their many children have low or not getting enough iron or calcium um, in their diets. 
And parents are also aware of the longer term impact um, having 25% of our meals made up of uh, some of these foods um, have, which in terms of weight gain and in terms of the impact that that can have in the longer term around chronic disease. And, and are, are, we seeing, are we seeing uh, a lot more obesity issues, particularly with children? Well, we know um, we know that at least one in five um, children across all age ranges in Ireland are, are living with overweight and obesity, and we know that um, one in or six out of ten adults um, are in, in Ireland are, are overweight and, and obese. So um, it is a significant uh, it is a significant issue. Um, our dental health colleagues will will tell us very clearly that they can they can tell when they do the school health checks or dental checks um, in terms of dental caries the impact that uh, that these foods and drinks are having um, on 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 children's health and well being. So the start campaign, Sarah, is all about making a start and and a, a small is it like one step at a time sort of a thing. Yeah, so the START campaign is um, developed a five-year public awareness campaign from Safe Food, the HC and Healthy Ireland to encourage healthy weight for children. And it's been developed by us with parents and is all about building that momentum for one daily win in what families eat and how active they are. So this is about, uh, we know that there are a number of um, key behaviours, lifestyle behaviours that can set every child on a path to to a healthier life. And those uh, look at what we eat, whether it's treat foods, whether it's uh, the amount of fruit and veg we eat, um, drinking milk and and water rather than uh, carbonated beverages. Um, as well as being more active, reducing screen time and getting enough sleep. So those behaviours all come together to uh, create an environment where, where children can grow healthy and, and well. And they need to begin at a, at a young age and obviously be supported in families and in communities. So the START campaign is about providing parents with kind of information, knowledge and support to um, start making those uh changes uh, in in their homes and for some people it can seem like a very big thing to do but what we're asking parents to do is to um, particularly when it comes to treats just start becoming aware of how um, how often and when you use treat foods in your family um, and for the, the, I know for myself when when I did it in in my family it was a uh, an eye opener, um, and then once you once you kind of have that sense of of how how things are within your family, start making think about making a plan for how you can reduce them. So we're not saying cut them out altogether because treats are a a part of of life, a part of growing up. But they need to be occasional, not every day. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think many of the schools do fantastic healthy eating Absolutely. programs. With I mean, a lot of the schools I would know, you know, maybe on a Friday a child is allowed to bring in uh, an item. You know, it's treat yeah. Friday. But for the rest of the week, you've got to have all healthy options in your lunchbox. And and children love to get involved in that. Absolutely, and that's that's great, great, and it's it's great that the schools are, are doing that, and that should really support parents at home as well. Um, and I suppose what we're 
if you want to take that that example um, and translate it into into your home, while it might be very hard to go, if you if you look at it and see that actually you're one of the the parents that have been um, shown in our research who are giving these treat foods uh, more than than once daily, the the change for you might be to say, okay, no, I'm I just, once a day. Um, and work, and then work from there. One. Work from there. And then yeah. when you're when you're when you're comfortable, and that is that is the norm in your in your family, then you can move to trying to move it more to what fits with um, our healthy eating guidelines, which are that these foods should be um, only in our diets once or twice a week, and that's for that's for children and adults. Um, you know uh, these these type of foods, foods that are high in fat, salt, and sugar aren't required as part of a healthy diet. Um, so they're, they're not something that needs to be factored in every day. The other thing, like in one of the areas that might be um, easy enough for parents to, to think about is we, when in speaking to parents, what they've told us is that often these foods are, are used as um, snacks in between maybe uh, to fill in hunger and they don't see them as treats. In those contexts, they see them as, as snacks. But if you were to, to take those treat foods out of that space then and replace them with healthier snacks like crackers and cheese or some low-salt pop, popcorn or whatever, that, that may be a, a, a win um, in, in the short term and, and something that you, you could do. OK, and we're heading into Halloween next mm-hmm. week. That's a sugar overload for, for many children. Parents need to get, take a bit of control there as well, don't they? Well, yeah, well, I suppose Halloween happens once a year, Christmas happens once a year, <laughs> Easter happens once a year, um, and, and that's absolutely fine if they're kept in that kind of once a year space. But what we're, we know is that, uh, and what the research is, is telling us, is that, uh, I suppose, every day is almost like Halloween. Yeah, with the United Suites. And I suppose yeah. that's, the, that's the piece we really want parents to um, to think about. Okay. And to, to focus on. Okay, and just, Sarah, while we have you on the line, this was something that came up last week on the programme, the issue of calorie counting on uh, menus. Mm-hmm. And it's something we've certainly discussed before here on, on the programme. I, I'm assuming you're in favour. And will it and does it make a difference? So um, I suppose from from research, what we know is that uh, any information on calories uh, can influence people's behaviour. Won't influence everybody's behaviour, but it will influence some some people's behaviour. For example, some people, when it comes to to choosing food or, or purchasing food out of home, um, budget is the the factor that uh, they think about most. Um, so that means price is more of a factor than calories in their decision. But having having the calories and having the information available does allow people to compare one food against the other and can inform healthier choices. And, and we know when and we know that it does from from research. Um, calorie uh, calorie posting and uh, information on calories on on menus is certainly one of a number of uh, measures that can help people uh, in terms of informing what they, they eat, their their healthier diet and helping them maintain a, a healthier weight. Um, and I suppose it's one of those things, no more than becoming aware of, of how often we um, have treat foods foods in, in our diet and um, being aware of uh, 
the the calorie counts for for various um, food items can uh, bring it into sharp relief for you as to kind of what you you're eating and the amount that you are consuming. And is it going to happen? Do you believe it'll happen? So there's a voluntary um, money, yeah. uh, money um some 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 have done it, but the restaurant yeah. association are dead against it, Sarah. So there isn't there isn't a legislation in Ireland at the moment in relation to yeah. to calorie posting. Um, and I I understand uh, the Department of Health have been looking at this. Yeah. Um, but I'm not aware that it is going to be coming forward, any legislation will be coming forward. Yeah, I think the last thing I read was that the Health Minister, Simon Harris, was uh, currently developing a draft general scheme of a bill mm-hmm. to provide uh, calorie labelling on uh, menus. So only time will tell. But I think he's going to have to go down that route because the voluntary route certainly doesn't seem to be uh, working. Listen, thank you for that, Sarah. Okay. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Sarah O'Brien, who is the HSC National Lead on the START uh, campaign. And I remember on at least two occasions in, in the States where they have calories on the menus being completely turned off desserts. I was going for a dessert until I saw how many calories. There was one cheesecake in particular that I was going going for and I think it was 1,900. I remember working out that it was nearly my entire calorie, what should be my healthy calorie count for the day, was contained in one dessert. I passed and had a black coffee instead. 1850 John Paul is taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Coming up in the next hour, um, raising the proposal that parents should be forced to do parenting classes if their children are convicted of antisocial behaviour. Get weekly news, event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie. From Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between, we've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click regional reports or download the C103 app and click podcasts. Regional reports only on C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, I want to go to the phone lines because Geraldine Buckley of Special Olympics in Mallow joins me with a story that shows how honest some people can be. Good morning to you, Geraldine. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and you're welcome. Now, you. uh, last month you were away on a trip to Palmanova in Mallorca. That's correct. With my son, Jason, and my husband, Tyg. And your son, Jason... Is in Special Olympics. Special Olympics. Okay. Yes. Tell us what happened on the last night. Last night we went out for dinner. No, we packed up and we went out for dinner. We had our dinner and we came back and my husband said, um, did you leave the safe open? And I said, no. He checked into the room and um, he turned around and two of our bags were gone, plus the safe was opened. So accordingly, we went down to the um, hotel reception and they rang the police for us. Now, they came up and they had a look around, but we couldn't see it anywhere. And we were leaving the following morning. So at least they left us our passports, which was great. And as I said, we were going home with no bags. Um, and what was in the bags? Now, in the bags, there was any kind of clothes and that. But in the safe was Jason's iPod, um, his music, his, um, all his electrical stuff. So oh, he was devastated that anybody would do that to him. You know, and how did, how did they, it was a hotel, how did they get into the hotel room? Well, that's the question, you know. Um, we, the hotel said they weren't responsible. Um, somebody had been in our room, they had taken the bags and they had opened the safe. 
And it's, is it one of those safes that you key? It was a solid safe, yeah. yes. Where you um, key in the number. number is a plus yeah. a key, but um, for some reason somebody knew how to open it. All right, yeah. yeah. And you, you'd straight away think yeah. inside, but yeah. you have no way of proving that no. and, no. and whatever. And, and there was it, no cameras in the hallway to say, you know, who would come in or out of our room. So you had to head to the airport the next day. We we were spent hours at the um, the police station making statements and whatever, um, and then we had to kind of get on a plane and come home without any of his stuff. And young Jason, devastated? Devastated, because his music, he would be, you know, he's had that for years, and... Um, the iPad and the Nano and all of that. Yeah. Like, you won't buy them again, but at the same time, they're they're precious to him. Yeah, absolutely. And hard to explain to Jason why yeah. anyone would do something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. He was absolutely, could not understand it. He was devastated coming home. Um, he had no music. He had no Game Boy. He had nothing. Now, the key to all of this, the two backpacks they took were Jason's Special Olympics backpacks. Right. They took Jason's Special Olympics backpack and my husband went to Abu Dhabi this year for the World Games. So he went as a Kerry volunteer for Kerry Group. Yeah. And so he had a specialised backpack. It was um, a Special Olympics Kerry bag. Okay, so you came you came back believing that was it. You'd never see those bags again. Uh, again. Yeah. And then you get a surprise phone call from Special Olympics Munster. As it happened the day before, when I came back, I was talking to one of the girls in the office, and I had mentioned that her bags had been taken, and that was fine. Two days later, I got a phone call from Special Olympics Munster that somebody had contacted Special Olympics Ireland, and they had found a bag. So. They put me in touch with her and her in touch with me. Okay. And like that, she, I, she sent me um, a message and um, explained about the bag. So I had sent her a picture of our bag that we had. And now, in the meantime, she had gone to the local police, but there's two different types of police in Spain. There's the local and the national, and we had gone to the national police. Um, so she went to report that she found a bag to the local police, and the local police had um, a report from another family, which were a Swedish family, with a child with special needs from Special Olympics Sweden. Oh. Their bag. So they thought it was that bag, and she notified them where she was after leaving the bag and everything, but when they went down, they realised it wasn't their bag, so they didn't take the bag. It was Jason's bag. It was Jason's bag. So I had sent her the picture, and now, with that, she had put it up on Facebook, and when she put it up on Facebook, another girl had actually seen the, the, the picture up. So she got on to Special Olympics Spain, because she knew it was a Special Olympics bag. Yeah. And they got on to Special Olympics Ireland. <laughs> and then somewhere along the line, they, they spotted the Kerry Ireland, connection. Ireland then realised it was a monster bag, so yeah. they got on to the monster office. <laughs> and because I had said it to the girls above in the office, they realised it could possibly be my bag. So this is how it all went about. So that's one bag found. That was one bag found. So I got in contact with her then and she sent me the picture and I just said to her there was a second bag. So she said, when she went home, she said it to her husband and he said he actually saw another bag while he was out jogging. So she went back to try and find the bag and she eventually she found the second bag. Uh, empty or with items in it? All items were in it. What? Nothing. Now, there was a few things taken out of it, but there wasn't anything major, you know. I mean, as far as I was concerned, once we had all Jason's stuff back, that was the main like thing. Like his, his iPod and his Nano, yeah. the, the important things, things to were all there. Oh, there's a guardian angel looking after Jason's yeah. stuff, that's that's for sure. So, 
So How they, did you get the bags back? We actually tagged myself went out in October and um, we met up with her there. We just came back this weekend and we met up with her over. She's a girl that worked in a special needs school and she realised it was very important um, to some child. Um, and then when they realised it was a Special Olympics bag, they thought that we'd, Ireland was over their training or something. Um, um, but like that, she's after becoming friends with the other girls um, and from going out looking for our bags. How, what what an, an incredible story. The fact that she would be, you know, the, the special needs connection. And, and everything, yeah. It was just absolutely amazing. But she was a wonderful person. Um, she knew that when she found it, it was belonged to somebody and somebody must be devastated yeah. not having it back. And in fairness to the power of her and the people in Spain, she had it all over Facebook in Spain to see did anybody know or whether they were still in the island or anything. Um, and people shared it out all over Spain, in Mallorca. Um, and like that, it's just how the coincidence was that it went to um, Ireland, down to Munster, yeah. back to us. The, and the power of Special Olympics. Olympics it's amazing. Uh, it's, it's just, it's known all over the world. It is, it is. And it's a great organisation. And that would like to see that we brought out those particular bags. Yeah. As I said, if they were just ordinary bags. You'd never have gotten back. I'd never have gotten you'd, back. You'd never, no, no you'd, 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 ne- you'd never. And it hasn't turned you off Palmanova? No, God, no, no, no. 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 I mean, what I found was the people were very good. I mean, they were so supportive. Even when we went over there, we went down, we met her in the school um, where she works. Um, and all the staff knew about it. They were disappointed Jason didn't come with us. <laughs> but they, all the staff are waiting for him to come back next year. Yeah, it looks like you've, you've made friends for life. We have, there. we have. And, and Geraldine, Special Olympics, from, for your son Jason's point of view, what role does it play in his life? Well, it's a major part in his life. I mean, Jason does, he's at, we're out five to seven nights a week. Um, <laughs> he does football, he does swimming, he does floorball. He's just on the Munster team now for floorball. They're going to the Ireland Games in March. Um, us as a family, we're very involved. My husband is a coach for the floorball for March as well. Um, he went as a coach for Ireland um, with the football team last year to the Ireland Games. Um, so we're involved in it after starting up kayaking. So we're now the first Munster kayaking team. Wow. wow. Um, so he, he does, you name it, golf. He's doing tag rugby. He's doing everything. You name what sport Jason is doing it. And then it's... And it's it's the social side of it as well, which yeah. is very good for them, which is the main part. I mean, they go out and they meet up with their friends. Um, you know, what 24-year-old want to be with their mum? <laughs> uh, where with Jason, we can go in there, he can go off with his friends. He's still in a safe environment and we're still there. And, of course, Special Olympics wouldn't operate without the volunteers like, oh, yourself, like yourself and Tig, let's be honest. Yes. It's all based on volunteerism. Oh, it is, it is. And if we didn't have volunteers, we'd have no one. We yeah. wouldn't have clubs. Um, and for a lot of parents, as their kids are getting older, you know, it is a great organisation for them. It's a great organisation for them um, so that they can leave their ch- children in a safe environment, but also that they're getting, they're getting fit, they're getting healthy, and, uh, and along with that... Um, there's, you know, a, there's a support mechanism there for most of the parents as well. Okay, listen, I, you're at work and I really appreciate you taking time out to talk to, talk to us. Uh, George, I'm just going to put you back on to um, John Paul just for one moment because he wants to have a quick word with you. But thank you for sharing that story no, with us. No uh, and kind regards much, to Jason. God bless. God bless. Yeah. Isn't that a lovely story? That is uh, Geraldine Buckley. And just showing again 
that often comes up on the programme, that kindness of strangers and the honesty of some people. But it was just the series of coincidence that somebody realised this belongs to somebody involved in Special Olympics. So obviously it's a special person who will be devastated because all their bits and pieces have been uh, taken. So well done to those ladies in Palmanova in Mallorca. And thank you to Georgian for sharing the story uh, with us this morning. While I'm on, thank yous. Michelle in Mallow is on to us and just wants to say congratulations and to say thank you to Councillor James O'Connor, the young councillor who joined us yesterday for highlighting the cost of bus fares, especially for students. But Michelle has another gripe she said the monthly train ticket that she obviously purchases from Mallow to Cork, she said you have to buy that monthly ticket on the first of the month. You can't buy it in the middle of the month, you know, so that it would run, say you bought it on the 12th of October and let it run to the 12th of November. It has to be purchased on the first of uh, the month. She feels that it should cover any four week period. I I would have to say it's quite a reasonable uh, request. I wonder does anybody know why Irish Rail insist that it's a calendar month and that you can't let it run for a four week period. I mean, surely you're still going to use the same number of trains, whether it runs over into another month uh, or not. That does seem rather bizarre uh, indeed. And a listener who doesn't want uh, his or her name mentioned, uh, but, but I'll raise the issue to see if this is in other rural areas. This is a text coming in from the Dungorny area where this listener says there's over 200 cows walking on the road every day and because of it, cows will do what cows need to do. The road is at times covered with cow, the S word, manure. And the farmer, says this texter, won't clean the road after them. Somebody is going to be killed on that road, especially at night, if you're not aware of what's on the road. Could you please put it out on the radio? I was on to the local council in Middleton about it a month ago, but it's still the same. Nothing has happened. Could you ring them and ask them to call the farmer, uh, please? I won't give you my name. uh, Thanking you. But I'm just wondering, is that a common complaint in rural areas and do farmers have a responsibility to clean up after their livestock? I mean, I'm assuming the 200 cows are travelling on the road. They're getting from one area to another area for milking, is it? Does it happen more than once uh, a day? And it's impossible to tell a cow, (laughs) can you hang on a minute? Wait till you're in the field kind of thing. Cows will do what cows need to do. So we'll just give it out there just to see anybody have a solution uh, is there a responsibility on behalf of the farmer? And the fact that this listener has complained, does the council have a responsibility to get onto the farmer to make the car farmer clean up after his livestock? And should it be done on a daily basis every time the cattle are out on the road? Are farmers meant to go out and clean up after them? Your thoughts and welcome to that, please. 1850-333-103. And on the loss of the jobs in Novartis that we started the programme with today, Patricia, it's frightening to see all the jobs going. You had 500 jobs announced yesterday, gone in Shannon, that's at the Molex uh, plant. And then, so 850 jobs will be going on board Nimona. And now we're hearing of the 320 jobs going here today in Cork. Uh, the, it looks like other jobs will go down the road it is very sad to see and very sad to hear especially for those workers and for those families says Mary and hi Patricia on the factory closure isn't there something wrong when somebody can import a product from China for a fraction of the cost 
of what it would cost to produce in this uh, country. That is a real wake-up call, I suppose, for so many other industries uh, as well. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Jobs. The signage department in Mallow Print Works, they are looking for full-time operatives. While care assistants are required for Ceylon Haven, that's in McCroom, you need to have level five in healthcare, please. And Porky Creeve Stadium, they're holding open interviews for casual hospitality positions. They're holding them on the 6th of November from 5pm to 8pm. And temporary accounts payable position available in Formoy. Experience of account payable and a good knowledge of Microsoft Office required. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. We were going to talk about the suggestion of parental classes for parents of young offenders um, and we're, we're going to do it with Senator Jerry Bottomer because he's the senator who has suggested this uh, proposal but unfortunately he has been called in to do the order of business at the Senate so is unavailable to us but he says he will be available tomorrow so we'll hold over on that particular topic because I know it is a topic that a lot of people have a view on so we will certainly get back to it uh, tomorrow. Don't forget your cheesy jokes please. They don't have to be about cheese. They have been for the last two days. If you have a cheesy joke, uh, a funny joke, it can be about cheese if you want it to be about cheese because we've teamed up with the Cozy Cafe on Church Square in Kinsale. They're having cheese fondue nights. And on Sunday the 3rd of November, we're having a special fondue night and you have a chance to win a prize today that will get you plus four of your friends along to the cheese fondue night but we need you to tell us a joke just get working on the joke and it will be in the next hour that we will look for you to text our WhatsApp your joke in okay but get working on your joke uh, please and if you want to check out more about the cheese fondue nights you can go to the Cozy Cafe Cafe website which is CozyCafe.net That's CozyCafe.net Wasn't that shocking that story that is breaking and we'll no doubt hear more and find out more about it of the 39 people, all 39 people pronounced dead at the scene uh, they were found in One, it includes a teenager they were found dead inside a lorry container parked at an industrial park in Essex. They were found earlier this morning. It was about 20 to 2 this morning. There's a 25-year-old man from Northern Ireland. He's been arrested on suspicion of murder and the vehicle is believed to have come from Bulgaria and entered the UK at Hollyhead in North Wales on Saturday and then made its way to this industrial park in Essex. Now, I don't know... There's sketchy enough details as to what happened next as to how the police were alerted that there was something wrong in the back of this uh, container. But all I know is in the early hours of this morning when they got to the, to the container, all 39 were were dead. 
and that's when they arrested the lorry driver in connection with the instance who remains in police custody as the inquiries uh, continue and the whole area has been cordoned off. But my goodness, 39 obviously immigrants where they've originally come from, I don't know. And the police now are endeavouring to try and identify the victims and they have admitted that that could be a very, very lengthy process. Well, it it just showed the lengths that some migrants go to get out of wherever they are. Their conditions are so bad wherever they are and this dream of a new life. But they get into the back of a truck and then for all of them to die. My goodness. Dreadful. Dreadful. Uh, 1850 uh, When we're talking about antisocial behaviour, which as I say will come up again, uh, we'll talk about it in more detail on the programme tomorrow. For my residents said this is because people were talking about around Halloween with midterm coming up. There will be an amount of young people, time on their hands. Not all, not all. Most young people are, are great and will be with their friends or at home or, you know, getting involved in other activities besides antisocial behaviour. But unfortunately, there will be some people who will get involved uh, in it. And a Fomoy listener says, throwing stones seems to have become a big pastime during Halloween, especially in the Fomoy area. Teenagers seem to get some kind of a buzz from throwing stones at cars and dogs. Uh, and even at people. Now, only certain people are picked on, says this listener. It's usually the ones that are too afraid to do anything about it. I wonder would the stone throwers like a bit of their own medicine, says a Formoy listener. But something needs to be done about that. And I suppose young people need, and parents need to know where their young people are and what their young people are getting up to. And yesterday when we were talking about low self-esteem and how to improve your self-esteem with uh, Joe Heffin, and one of the things we were talking about is, you know, for previous when Joe was saying that when people come in to talk about low self-esteem, they'll often refer back to an event or something that happened when they were children and how when we were going through the building blocks of self-esteem, you need to listen to children and children need to be believed. Well, that prompted a listener. And, and I'd be interested if anybody has advice for this uh, listener to, to contact us to say, hi, my kids go to a local national school. And my daughter twisted her ankle. She was out on break a few weeks ago. She went to the senior teacher who happened to be at the yard at the time and she told her that she turned over on her ankle and it was quite sore. But the teacher just looked at her feet and said, well, if you had better socks on, that wouldn't have happened. Her ankle wasn't even looked at. My daughter then had to sit through class for the whole of the afternoon with a very swollen ankle and was simply afraid to tell her teacher again. She came home in tears and yes, her ankle was very swollen. So on the point that that child just wasn't listening to, what a stupid comment to make from the teacher if you had better socks on. What a, how does a pair of better socks stop you turning over on your ankle? I would have thought, as this mother would have thought, that the ankle would have been looked at. I'm wondering, Mammy, did you go into the school the next day with the swollen ankle and say, you know, oi, my child was telling the truth. Why didn't you look at my child's uh, ankle? Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. I'd be interested to see what others have to say on that. If you could offer words of advice, the sinkhole that we mentioned yesterday. I see a number of the papers picking up on this uh, story. Ralph Regal in the Independent is writing about what we mentioned yesterday. Cork County Council telling the public to stay away from the sinkhole 
because it is very, very dangerous. And Owen English has an interesting piece in The Examiner where he's talking about the sinkhole and the fact that it is the second sinkhole to appear in the area at that area of Alihis in recent years. And he spoke with Tygo Sullivan, who's with the Alihis Copper Mine Museum. And Tygo Sullivan said the last one was in a farmer's field a short distance to the t- southwest of the present sinkhole. And it was securely fenced off at the time by the Department of Communications, Climate Action and Environment, who I don't know, well they are involved but I don't know if they did the fencing off this time or was it the council did it. Anyway, according to Tyg, the President's sinkhole should not be approached as further collapse collapses are possible around the edges of the hole. He said all of the agencies involved are working hard to find a solution which hopefully will not take too long. It should be emphasised that these sinkholes are appearing only in a very small area of uh, Alahis. And they're trying to, f- to find out the reason why and what happened last weekend and led to the sinkhole. They're saying that there was a period of very heavy rain and we did have very heavy rain last week. And the latest sinkhole began to develop on Thursday of last week. Then it grew bigger and then over the weekend it led to the complete collapse. And of course, the section of the road went in uh, as well. And Tygo Sullivan of the Alahis Copper Mine Museum said the council and the department officials are liaising with the Copper Mine Museum in Alahis to see if there are old drawings and maps of the immediate area which show the extent of the old underground workings. And that is the problem that a lot of this mining was done back, as we know, in the 1800s and how much accurate mapping is available so that they can put, I don't know what they can do then. Can they do anything to reinforce and try to stop more of these uh, sinkholes uh, occurring? And that prompted a Michael in Clonakilty to say, Patricia, I just saw the photo of the sinkhole in West Cork. I am familiar with the land registry ownership folios. And just to let you know that the majority of folios excludes the rights to mines and minerals from the landowners. Therefore, I would presume that the responsibility lies with the mining company slash government slash local authority. And that was when I mentioned yesterday that Cork County Council in their statement to us said they were endeavouring to find out who was the owner of the mine. They were searching to contact information on the owner of the mine. Now, if this was a mine that dates back to the 1800s, would, would it be, is there no owner left? I mean, how are they going to find out, uh, out an owner? Now, if it was, we know that the mines, the last of the mines in Alahis closed in 1962. Whether people still hold ownership of those mines or not, I don't know. But thank you to Michael in uh, Clannacilty, a man in the know and quite knowledgeable. Uh, so, I'm uh, glad to read out that text. 1850 103. Keep your texts and calls coming. We are looking for gardening questions remember as well for Peter Dowdle. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Nick Richards. Weekday afternoons from 1. C103. Oh, oh. That the tide has to flow through Cork to get the cork. It's magic. Hello. Would the answer be Barbara? It would. A bearded Barbara. Not bearded Barbara, but a bearded Barbara. <laughs> Dogs have unique nose prints. Like we have fingerprints, they have nose prints. Go on. Is there really uh, gold in Cove? There's gold everywhere. There's a mine there, isn't there? There is. Only locals know about it. 
that's all, yeah. Weekday afternoons from 1. C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. With people already thinking about Christmas, it is that time of year to think of those children less fortunate than our own. Team Hope are once again organising the annual shoebox campaign and they're hoping to deliver their two millionth shoebox this year. Uh, joining me, the Cork coordinator, that is Anne Fitzgibbon. Good morning to you, Anne. Good morning, Patricia. Thank, uh, thank you very much for having me on your well, show. Well, you're very welcome. And I have to say, it's one of these uh, charities, the Christmas Shoebox Appeal, that I love. I think the idea and the theory behind it, I think it's just, it's just gorgeous. How long have you yourself been involved and why did you get involved? Um, I've been involved for the for the past six years and I suppose a bit like yourself, I just thought it was a great initiative. Um, it's a very seasonal thing, so, it, you know, it, it's not like you're involved all year round or anything like that, so it doesn't take a huge commitment. And it's just the it's just the concept, I suppose, of of being able to do something very small and yet it means so much to, to a child less fortunate than ourselves, you know. And um, isn't it and great to get our own children involved in these two Absolutely, boxes. absolutely. And we're, we're thrilled this year to have the Irish Hockey World Cup silver medalist Elena Tice on board with us. And, you know, she was saying that she remembers the, the atmosphere in the school when, when she was in primary school doing the shoe boxes. Ah. And, and, you know, the whole thing that, you know, like what she said is there aren't many opportunities for children to feel a part of something bigger. But this is the very, you know, event that kids can get involved in. They love it. And, you know, it, it's like that they're giving from themselves to one of their own. Um, so it's a, gr- it's a great concept. OK, remind us what we should include uh, every year. It's the four W's. It's the four W's indeed, yeah. So, and it makes it easier for people to, to remember when you, when you have something like that in mind. So, like, the first W would be something to write with. So things like a pen, pencil copy book, paper, colouring books, things like that. And just to put it in perspective, for a lot of the children who receive these shoe boxes, if they don't have a pen and paper, they literally don't go to school. So, I mean, that's how, you know, I mean, we, we all have, we all have dozens of half-used copy books at home, but literally that's the way it is for a lot of these children. So, like, the W for write is so important. Uh, the next one would be wash, so something small like toothpaste, toothbrush, soap, um, a bar of soap, not liquid soap, obviously, face cloth, hairbrush, comb, small items like that that can fit into a shoebox. The third W would be something to wear, like a hat, scarf, gloves, socks or underwear. Again, something very small and um, that can fit easily into a shoebox. And then the fourth W is the wow, because as, as you know, these are all going to children. Um, children are the same the world over. They like to, you know, see things and think, wow, you know, so things like jellies, sweets, not chocolate, uh, but jelly sweets. Um, I mean, you can think of small items like sunglasses, a gift of, or a photo of yourself, um, small musical instrument like a harmonica. Um, teddy bear. Teddy, teddy bear, bears. Absolutely. Yeah. Yo-yos, anything small. Yeah, bracelets again, if it's a little girl. Bracelet, yeah. Absolutely. And if it's for a teenager, a bit of makeup. Um, 
and again, they're they're all small items. Yeah. And, you know, we can get them very reasonably. And like I say, very often we have these things. Yeah, at home I mean, in I, a th- this is one of the things you don't. Not, not everything has to be brand new. It can be. Absolutely it can be not. some items that your own children no longer use, or as you say, that you have in the bottom of your drawer. That's just sitting there that you you could put into. And I I mean, I I pack one of these boxes every year and it never ceases to amaze me because you get the box and you kind of think, I'll get nothing into this. You will be amazed how much you can fit fit in. Yeah, and it's it's funny, even even when you open some of the shoeboxes and you think how well people have have stacked it. Yeah. So to make most of all the space and everything. So absolutely. And, you know, they're all small items and, you know, they're just going to mean so much to, to children. The child, the, the and the other it. thing, as as you're saying, and I mean, this I've been putting a call out um, in Cork recently. I mean, for people who have things in cupboards or in drawers, they're not being used, they're in very good condition. Um, cuddly toys like that, anything like that, I would be delighted with. And I'm sure our other coordinators around the county would be as well, you know. Oh, what if you don't want to pack a box yourself? You could, don't you could give. Absolutely. Oh, I know that's great. That's great, and you yeah, can put yeah, them into yeah. other boxes. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Because I mean, like the standard of, of shoe boxes that we see coming in are brilliant, but sometimes you know there might be a little bit of space left, and you're thinking, yeah, I'd like to be able to put something else in. Yeah, there. yeah. So we always try and have fillers, um, just to make sure that every box is just you know going to be, you know. So well, as well, you're, you're giving boxes out to children, you know, in a classroom setting or in an orphanage setting. Yeah. And you yeah. want every child to be getting as nice a box as the child next beside them. So, you know, Absolutely. you don't want one person, one kitty opening a box and there's a bit slightly disappointed, even though they won't be disappointed. But you know what I mean? You want them, you want them all to be as, as full as, as possible. And there are things you shouldn't include. I know liquids is a big no-no. Liquids is a big no-no, obviously, because they have to be transported and the chances of spillages is, is so high. Um, breakables, so glass ornaments and things like that are a no-no. Um, things like um, toy snakes, because some of the issue boxes are going to be going to children in Africa. And also war items like, you know, action men or, or, you know, yeah. the guns and all that kind of thing. They're no-no because a lot of the, the issue boxes go to war-torn regions. Wow. So they're the, the, the yeah. common sense, I suppose. Yeah, you forget place. that. You forget what these children, Correct. some of these children have experienced. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And many children, many schools, and um, are many getting involved? Um, they are. I mean, I suppose because it's our 10th year, the shoebox appeal is very well known. Um, in September, we put a call out to all the schools around the country to, to come on board with us and things like that. Um I suppose this year, because it's our 10th year and we have this goal of trying to get to the 2 million shoebox, we're making an extra appeal for, for people to, you know, get involved. It can be it can be schools, it can be businesses. We have a lot of businesses that come on board um, as the years go on as well, which is very encouraging. Um, and then it can be community groups, you know. Um, just and and individuals. Just and in, individuals, individuals who want to want to pack up a shoebox, and I know the shops, local shoe shops, are great about. They are brilliant. Handing and out if you don't have a shoebox, they are really good. Absolutely, at. and from this year as well, um, I think it's from this weekend actually. Deals have come on board as well, and um, they are actually going to have um, flat pack boxes. They're oh. actually made up specifically for Team Hope. So you can actually, and you can get three of them for a fiver. So you can literally go into deals. 
five three shoe boxes and fill them and, and, and nearly fill them from deals as well so you know okay and and well, are they collection points they're, they're not are they collecting they are, they are collection points as deals well, are as well points. they are oh they, great they came on board last year but this okay. year now they're actually going to start, have the shoe boxes as well because like I have had a school on recently saying that they they're finding it very hard to get shoe boxes in, in shoe yeah. um, shops so just in case anybody is stuck and again I suppose the thing about the the um, flat pack boxes is you don't need to wrap them because they're already nicely designed. Oh, that's well like done. That. That's well done, and yeah, that's yeah. that's in deals from this weekend. From this weekend, okay. And like you know, from the people, the people in Cork last year donated over twenty thousand shoe boxes, which was brilliant. So we're just making an extra appeal this year. You know, it's not too late to please come on board, and it would be wonderful on our tenth year to be able to say we've reached our two millionth shoe box. The closing date for it to have the boxes in, Anne. It's Friday the 8th of November, which okay. is the week the, after the kids go back to school, because a lot of them would do would get their shoe boxes ready over the midterm. Yeah. Um, and then there's a know, lot that, of... That date, that date might be extended a little bit, but at the moment it's Friday the 8th of okay. November. And there's a lot of work then to be done with sorting Huge them all out and then Huge transporting them to get them in time, time for Christmas. Where Absolutely. do you think Cork shoe boxes could or might end up? countries? Um, I know the ones for Cork City at the moment. We don't know until nearly the time when the container comes exactly which country. Okay. But I know, um, I've been told um, our first consignment will be going to Africa, one of the African countries. Okay. The last two years, most of ours went to Malawi and then the remainder um, would have gone to the Ukraine as far as I know. So It'll be, yeah, the majority of the ones from Cork City will be going to one of the African countries, perhaps Malawi. Okay, so keep that in mind as well if uh, when, when you are uh, packing them. Have you ever gone and seen them delivered on? I have. I went to the Ukraine a few years ago and it was, it was yeah, it was a mind-blowing experience, really. Um, we went to orphanages, we went to um, villages, which was really like a step back in time um, and it was quite moving. We went also to uh, houses where um, people were staying that um, had to move away from from war zones um, because the Ukraine, in certain parts of the Ukraine, would would um, not be very stable at the moment. So you know you're you're going into families with that are living you know four or five in literally one room. So the bed is in the room, the kitchen is in the room, you know everything is in the one room. And you know when you think of of them open opening the shoebox. You know, they have nothing. Yeah. So anything they get at all is just so, so precious. Yeah, I, t- I tell the story of uh, many years ago uh, being in Belarus and being in an orphanage and I spotted one of the shoe boxes. It was empty now. All the contents mm-hmm. were gone. Mm-hmm. But the, sh- the box itself, which was a bit battered and torn at this stage, but it was it was a prized possession Absolutely. of this little girl. It, it really was. Listen, you're doing fantastic work. Good luck to everybody involved, uh, Anne. And uh, thanks a million. And if anything else we can uh, do for you between now and when the boxes are shipped out, uh, let us know. We'll be only too glad to forge the airways. God bless. Thank Take care. That is Anne Fitzgerald, who is the coordinator for Cork for Team Hope Shoebox Appeal for this year. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We were talking about roads earlier and the fact, well, one listener is very upset about a farmer whose cattle have, has to go out on the road in the East Cork area and 
doesn't clean up after the cattle and is very annoyed uh, about it. Well, we've just had somebody on saying via our Facebook page, Deck, saying, Hi, would you please warn people that the Rossacon Road in Newmarket, it's known locally as the Newmarket to Canturk Back Road, is absolutely lethal at the moment. There are tractors drawing crops out of the fields. No signs, no warnings and the road has been left in an absolutely terrible shape. I'm assuming once the farmers on the tractors and the contractors have stopped drawing crops, they'll clean it up. But in the meantime, it sounds like very dangerous driving conditions. That's the new market to Canturk back road. Please drive with absolute care. Now, we were talking about the Christmas shoebox appeal. A listener says, Patricia, can you tell me where is the shoe, where's the collection for the shoe boxes, for the filled uh, boxes? I can. And can I also give a mention and thank you to the Rose in John Manway, who said anybody looking for items for their shoeboxes, we've got a lot of stuff on offer at Taris Jock, the wonderful charity shop in Don Manway. Double whammy there. You'll be helping out the charity shop and at the same time helping children less fortunate. Thank you for that, Rose, if people are in the Dunmanway area. Well, I can tell you, I have the names of the coordinators across Cork City and County. We were talking with Anne Fitzgibbon. She's in Cork City and she's kind of the coordinator for all of Cork City and County. But in the county, we also have individual coordinators. For example, Christine Dobson is in Formoy. Sally Daly is in Skibbereen. Grace Hosford is in Bandon and Sarah Janman is in Charleville. If anybody knows any of those ladies, you can certainly get in contact with them and they might let you know what school is collecting or if there's a collection point locally in those areas. Failing that, Deals are supporting the Deals shop. They're supporting the Team Hope, Hope, Hope Shoebox Appeal and they are their official retail partner. So they are a drop-off point for filled shoeboxes. So if you're anywhere near a Deals store with your filled shoebox, you can drop it in there. And by the way, I don't think I mentioned it when I was, when I was talking with uh, Christine. They look for a four euro donation. It's just to cover the cost of, of shipping it out as well, if you can include that as well. OK, other thoughts and comments coming in. Hi, Patricia. Have you any idea when can people start applying for medical cards after the revised income that was announced in the budget a couple of weeks ago? I've checked on Citizens Information site, but it's still giving the old amounts. Thanking you, says a Moy listener. You're probably a little bit too early to apply because remember what was announced Ha, it has to go through the Oireachtas in the finance bill. That's the legislation for the budget. It's called the finance bill. That has to be approved by the Oireachtas and it's expected to be done by year end, but it hasn't been done yet. So no change, except now that I think about it, when they put up something, they can do that. But any of the other changes, the finance bill has to go through. But then even when that's all said and done, if you remember one of the things that was announced for people who are not on a medical card, the drug payment scheme, that is um, currently €124 a month. And the minister announced that it's going to come down by a tenner. So for people who pay for a lot of medication every month, it'll go down to 114 a month. But that change doesn't come in until September of next year which will probably just weeks away before the other, the, there'll be a budget in October again. Isn't that nuts? Anyway, so that's not until September. And then the other item that was announced in the budget was the prescription charge, 
charges. These are for, this is for people who have medical cards. They pay prescription charges. And at the moment, the prescription charge is two euro per item up to a maximum of €20 Euro in ev- in any given month. It was announced in the budget that that's going to be reduced by £0.50. Cent. But that's not coming in until July of next year. And by the way, I can find out if the monthly cap is going to be reduced as well because normally it's 10 items, you know, €2, Euro, 10 items, €20. Euro. I don't know if the monthly cap is going to come down accordingly to €15. Euro. We're going to have to wait on that. But anyway, we'll be talking about it again in many, many months' time because that doesn't come in until July. And then all of them, as I say, have to pass the finance bill. So for that person wondering when does the new revised income come in, certainly not this side of Christmas and I imagine it I don't know if they'll hold it out until July or September as they've done with the other items uh, mentioned but I would suggest once the finance bill has gone through check in with this citizen's information because by God, are they always on top of things instantly. We've often, myself and John Paul would be in the office talking about something new that has happened and we would say, oh, we'll check with citizens' information just to see what they're saying uh, on it. And I don't think we have ever been left down that they haven't got the most up-to-date information as quickly as possible. They really are uh, good. But uh, sorry that I'm not the bearer of better news in that obviously you're struggling and you want your medical card and you want it now. 1850 Thank you to somebody who said Bohubwe National School collects uh, boxes. Actually, that's a good point when somebody said who collects the filled shoe boxes. If you ask locally an awful lot of schools and a huge number of schools this year across Cork City and County are getting involved and the schools would be only too happy to take the extra if you have you know if you don't have a child going to the school I'm sure they'd be more than happy to take the box or if you know a child going just ask them to drop the box in for you so thank you that thank you for that that's Boherbui National School can you keep your jokes please uh, coming in to us uh, we need we've about 10 minutes left on your today's joke a che- your cheesiest joke your funniest joke short jokes please because you have to type them out text or whatsapp them to 0862103103 your joke could win you a night out at the Cozy Cafe on Church Square in Kinsale on Sunday the 3rd of November for a cheese fondue night for you and four of your friends. They're holding cheese fondue nights on the 27th of October, which is this Sunday, and then the 10th and 24th of November and the 1st, 8th and 15th of December. So they have a number of nights coming up, but there's a special one on Sunday, the 3rd of November for C103 and uh, the winners and their friends. So your cheesiest joke, please. And if you want to check out more about the cheese fondue nights, you can go to the cozycafe.net. But get your jokes in by text or WhatsApp only, please. 0862 103 103. And John says, Patricia, you know nothing about the weather. I put out sheets and it was windy all morning. Another rain has arrived. <laughs> John, I am the bearer of, of, I try to be the bearer of as good news as I possibly can. I get my forecast from Met Air and they did say a spell of rain in the afternoon and evening and I did say that. And they did say hazy sunshine before that. There will be a spell of rain. It might last very long though, John. So hang in there. You're, you might get your sheets dry uh, yet. You never know. Michael and Bantry was quite shocked at the listener whose comment I read out. We didn't say where the school was from or whatever. This was the, the lady who contacted us, her little girl in school a couple of weeks ago. 
out playing in the yard and at break twisted her ankle went over went to the teacher because the ankle was a bit sore teacher just kind of looked at her feet and had a go at her about the kind of socks she was wearing which baffles me and says if you had better socks on it wouldn't have happened and uh, anyway the little girl hobbled back into class had to sit through class all afternoon it was obviously the lunch break with a swollen ankle afraid to say anything to the teacher after the goal the teacher had and we were linking this into how bad self-esteem can happen you know things like that children can remember as well and the, the mum said she came home in tears with a very swollen ankle Michael says Trish that teacher should be should be fined it is shocking what she said to that little girl I thought those days were gone says Michael and you know something when I read because t- it came in as a text when I read it first and you know the way you quickly I was quickly reading over the text and I thought she was going to say it was something that happened back in the 60s or the 70s I was kind of really taken aback because I didn't think teachers acted like that anymore but obviously you know in every bunch you're going to get a bad one aren't you which is really really unfortunate on parenting classes thank you Michael on parenting classes and making parenting classes mandatory for young people that get involved in antisocial behaviour that we will be picking up tomorrow because Senator Jerry Bottomer got called away on us a listener says parenting classes in my opinion is ridiculous their child benefit should be cut or taken from them that's the only way some people uh, understand that would be quite a tough punishment but I wonder yeah I wonder would that would that work but I suppose the idea of the mandatory parenting classes it's to try to get these parents who obviously are not doing a very good job parenting if their sons and daughters are involved in this antisocial behaviour and annoying other people the idea is I suppose is to give them the skills that they need in order to be better parents. I'm, I'm assuming that that's the theory behind it and we will, as I say, hear more about it when we chat with Jerry Bottomer tomorrow. 1850 We are also looking for your gardening questions, please, because Peter Dowdell will be joining us, the Irish Gardener, on the uh, programme in a couple of minutes. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Blood Transfusion Service Board, they're holding donor clinics at the Cork Racecourse in Mallow today and tomorrow. 3 to 5 in the afternoon and 7 to 9 at night on both days. The Irish Guide Dogs for the Blind have got a volunteer and puppy raising information evening at their centre on the Model Farm Road in Cork tonight between 7 and half past 8. And for Moy Widows Association, they're meeting this, the, t- t- tonight 8.15 in the Resource Centre in Moy. All widows and their friends are uh, welcome. Duke of will host an event in Clonakilty Parish Centre at half past eight. It is a furniture lecture. There'll be an illustrated talk exploring life in Irish farm houses, including images of local farmhouse furniture, and it'll be delivered by Dr. Claudia Kinmouth. And a fundraising concert, a night of the musicals, will be held in St James's Church in Mallow this Friday night with an eight o'clock start. It features Welsh tenor Ryan Morgan and baritone Derek Ryan, along with the Sybil Quartet. Tickets €20 Euro on sale in Katie's News Agents in Mallow, with all proceeds going to the Cork Ark 
Cancer Support House. Just spotted a WhatsApp that's come in about prescription charges on medical cards. When I was talking about the prescription charges for medical cards, it was announced in the budget that they're going to be reduced by 50 cent, but it's not going to come in until next July. And I mentioned that that would bring them from two euro down to 150. Uh, Michael says prescription charges are currently 150 per item for medical card holders, not two euros, says Michael. Uh, you're right and you're wrong. They're 150 per item if you have a medical card for over 70s. For people under 70, the prescription charges are €2. Euro. They are, they're 50 cent cheaper if you're over 70. And I'm assuming the same again when they change in July. The 50 cent will come off the 150 for the over 70s, bringing it down to a euro and it'll bring it down to 150 then for the general population. But thank you for your WhatsApp, Michael, to 0862 103 103. And just a couple of minutes left on your cheesy jokes, please, for our night away, because I want to hold um, the jokes for a sec. To- if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Go to a much more serious matter. Nicole uh, joins me. Um, good afternoon to you, Nicole. Good afternoon. Now, you are looking to rent a property. Uh, I am. Now, a- any particular area? Um, basically just in around the Mallow area. Okay, nor- nor- not the general North Cork area. Mallow Town, are the outskirts? Yeah, anywhere that's kind of just in driving distance, really. You have a car? I do, yeah. You have a car. School-going children? I do. I've got four. I have one in secondary and three in primary. And what's your current housing situation? Um, at the moment, um, I've had we got let go from our property last year, and we were homeless for a couple of months. 
And um, basically a friend of mine had a two-bedroom house down here. And he just said, look, move in, get yourself sorted, get the kids sorted, because I have, my eldest son has anxiety and depression. He's 13 and my 11-year-old is autistic. Wow. So it was move in, get them sorted with school, everything like that. But as you can imagine, in a two-bed, it's, it's very tight. That's a tight squeeze. Yeah, especially, and um, it's just as well, my two eldest have therapy dogs that help them. Um, so you have two therapy dogs as well? Yeah. Okay, so you're, what, you're looking for a, ideally a four-bedded house, but you'd get away with a three, would you? Do you know what? A three-bed would be amazing. It's just that the, um, the property that I'm in has to go up for sale soon. And um, I have to give it to him like Joe, like he's been kind of putting off the sales for months and months because I've applied to over 35 properties at the moment to rent and it's it's because of the two dogs, unfortunately. not. I was just going to say, not every landlord takes, no. takes dogs, but I mean, these assistance dogs are highly trained. Well, they're not proper assistance dogs what they are is um, my eldest has a little Jack Russell that we got from his uh, pup. It was recommended by the doctor, Joe, because with his anxiety and everything, it's just something for him to focus on. Okay. All right. But the, your, your autistic son? My autistic son, what happened, it's actually a funny story, what happened was when we were homeless last year, my dad had gotten two dogs, two pups for himself. And when... My son would get very upset because we used to kind of stay in my mum's for a few days, stay in my brother's and everywhere else. Like, but this pup latched onto my son and every time he would get upset, every time he would have a meltdown, the dog just instinctively calmed him. And to this day now, like the dog, if my son got upset, she'd jump up and lay across his lap like instant compression therapy for him. Yeah, you've you've well, you've trained your own therapy docs there, is what you've done. Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. Well, we didn't train; she just instinctively. Yeah, no, yeah, no. That's that's instinctively did it, and Joe, I can't rehome them. Do you know what I mean? They are mandatory for their health, for their mental health. Do you know what I mean? They were, it would break their hearts as well. If yeah, just, yeah. On top of that, as well, like, are you what? How much can you afford to pay on uh, rent, Nicole? Um. I've been approved for eleven fifty on the HAP. Eleven one thousand one hundred and fifty. Okay, yeah. all right, that's a decent. But I've got I Joe, like there, there's no bothers going up a little bit over that, but it's just like I said, like Joe, with the fact that the house has to go for sale soon, and I could be looking at spending Christmas out again. I can't. Sorry, I just can't do it to my kids. I know it's really difficult. Yeah. How how long were you actually homeless for? Um, from start of April to August of last year. Now I know this sounds I didn't go into emergency accommodation like that. I was just I was just too proud and I couldn't go in with my son because 
the way my son is. Like, I've tried years ago, like, I've tried to stay in hotels and stuff like that. And we've had the night port, the night managers and stuff knocking. There's in complaints. I'm really sorry. Because this is your child with autism? Yeah. Because yeah, basically he had no routine. He was in a strange environment. I mean, he's never slept until last April. Like, he's never slept in any other place where I wasn't. In his own home, in his own bed. You know? Yeah, emergency accommodation would just not would just not work for you. I mean going yeah. and then even if you get emergency accommodation you can't be guaranteed that you'll stay in that hotel. That's it. You could be moved on uh, yeah. somewhere else. Are you on Nicole, are you on the housing list? I am, but unfortunately I'm not on it long enough. So but I don't want to go down the roads on air about the housing, if okay. that's okay. Okay, okay. Yeah. Have you references? Have you, have I you, do. You've good, yeah. You've, yeah. N- you've never been evicted from a property or anything that would come against never. you? Do you know what? No, my, I, I'm the kind of person, like the last place that I was in, I was in for four years and I was the person that the washing machine broke, I replaced it. If the wash tumbler broke, I replaced it. Do you know what I mean? Because the way I looked at it is, I was using it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? With the constant use, obviously we're having four children and stuff. Do you know what I mean? I never would ring about if anything broke. Do you know? I was I was just that kind of person. But you, you just know? you do it yourself. You were a, you were a good tenant, and you have. I was. I'd go in whatever it was every six months. I'd top up, do like the paint on the walls. Do I always kept it, and plus I've OCD for cleaning as well. So. <laughs> So you kept the place nice and tidy and clean. So yeah. that so that's not an issue. Your issue is, is the dogs. That, I think. Well, yeah. besides we have a housing crisis and there isn't a lot of properties. I mean, I take it you've gone through all the letting agencies locally. I I've gone through everybody. Um, yeah. So I've wrote a letter into the Mallow Star, just even just seeing if somebody could just just help with a property to let you know but this is kind of my last port call basically you're desperate you're desperate mm-hmm. and family and Nicole what sort of support do you have in, in the Mallow area I have um, I have an aunt and cousins and everything like that in the Mallow area um, because I've been down here now a year I've made friends as well so it's a bit of a far cry because we've moved 60 kilometres from where we were. So it was like literally starting. Sorry, you, you broke there. You've moved how many kilometres? Um, we moved 60 kilometres. From where you were your, from yeah. where you were first? Mm-hmm. Okay. And was there a reason for that? It was just the fact that because of this property at the moment, all right, okay. All right, that's what yeah. brought you to the Mallow area. Yeah. And now you're yeah. quite settled here and hence the reason you want to stay here. Yeah. Have the I, ch- I I don't want to move the kids again. Have they I all know. settled into school? They have. They've all settled into school. They've all made friends. They've come on leaps and bounds in the last year from being in here. Like Yeah. And so close to Christmas, like the very thought of... 
homelessness again is just and and even if you know I, the reason I'm asking my family is somebody saying is there any family that can help out Nicole uh, but even if you had you know a mother, a father, a brother, a sister living next door. There's very few people have room in their house they, that could home don't. five people and two dogs because that's that technically is what you are. There's five people and and two dogs. That's it. And I mean, my my family live in the city, and I have a family member that's moved back home with her two kids. Joe, so there is no. There's no. There's no one there. No, no. There. no. Uh, and you. I mean, I'm assuming when you're talking the way you're talking, are you are you parenting the children on your own? Is there mm-hmm. there's yeah. no partner? No, no. So you, so you're on your own doing it. Yeah. Well, I have a boyfriend, but we haven't been together very long. Okay. You know, okay. Okay. All right. Well, you know, you you've put it out there, and Nicole, as you say, anywhere in Mallow Town, ideally for the children mm-hmm. if you were in the town are but you have a car so yeah. the the outlying areas you would be able to travel but you want to keep the children in the Mallow area for, for schooling etc and your young your autistic your little autistic boy has he settled well? Cause it can be very he difficult. has he's actually settled fantastic last year was a bit hard on him Joe with the new school and new teachers and new children and everything like that but um, but this year He's absolutely, he's settled in fantastic. He's flying. He's able to have, like, his brother and his sister in the same school as him, which is great. Is he in a special unit, special class? Yeah. Great, he's, great. Yeah, he's, great. You're, we you're, were literally, we were haunted. You were lucky season. to get that. Cause there's, <laughs> yeah. there's long waiting list for that. So that's a place you dearly need to hang on to. Okay, yeah. uh, you've sold your story well. And Nicole, fingers crossed, and please God, somebody listening may know of a property I'd love if we could find you a four-bedded, but even a three-bedded at this stage will do. And as you say, you're not looking for a mansion. It's just somewhere safe for you to raise your four yeah. children and the two dogs. And the two and the, yeah. and their dogs are clean and everything. They are. They're house trained. Oh. and they won't Oh, make my God. They're amazing, Joe. You know I mean, like, them, what I do now is, like, with, with them, when I leave the house, they're, they're put, they have a big cage. Okay. Joe you know does. Travelling crates. Yeah. They when they're when I'm not here, Joe, they're very house strange. They don't they're they're fantastic. Okay. All right, Nicole. Listen, uh, we'll keep in contact with you, okay, and you keep in contact with us. I and will. Uh, please God something will something will surface for you. Thanks a million. Please. Please, God, and thank you very much. No problem. Thank you. Thank, thank you for sharing your story. That's not an easy uh, story to share if anybody can help. Uh, our lines are open at 1850 Am I going to Joyce in uh, Ballyhooley? Good afternoon, Joyce. Hello. Thank you for holding. You've got a problem with your voicemail, with your air, com, with your air landline. What's going on? Yeah, well, about a week ago, I was away and I came back and I thought, funny, there are no messages. And then I realised or discovered that my voicemail had been disabled for some reason, not any reason that I stopped it. And the account was still showing the charge. So I naturally called them up and they said, OK, we'll fix it. Uh, We have to turn it off for 24 hours and then it'll be reactivated. So we did that and they said, you know, dial 171 to get in and give your password and then you'll be given instructions as to how to proceed to reactivate it. So we waited 24 hours, did that. 
couldn't get anywhere past the 171 dial, except for somebody telling me to put in my password. Now, they did say when I looked on the web that there was um, a temporary password I could use because obviously the thing had been disabled and all the information had gone. So the long and the short of it is, Patricia, that I've been doing this now for a week, spending at least two hours a day, one hour and then another hour. And this has been going on now since last Wednesday. And you're getting nowhere? I'm getting nowhere. There is no connection from one call to the previous um, representative, shall I say. I've done it on chat online. Yeah, I was just going to say, I was going to suggest that. that. And I've just finished that now this morning. That's why I'm ringing you. I was at my wit's end because they tell me the same thing. This will have to be turned off altogether and reactivated again. The only difference this time was they said I would do it in two hours' time. Well, now, I suggested that there was a fault in the, what should I say, the automated instructions. So you understand mm, me? Yeah. But I dial 171, they say, put in your password. Yeah. Now, if I can put in a password, I imagine it will be fine because they would say, do this, do this, do this, do this, and I'll get to the bottom of it. But it's going on a week now, and every representative says, yes, we have to shut down your voicemail or your mailbox or however they call it, we'll have to shut that down and it will take 24 hours to reinstall. But nothing's but happening. And, and you're, four, pay, and you're paying for now. And you're paying for that service. Yeah, well, it's not an awful lot. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. You're still paying for it. You're still paying for it. It's not so much the payment. It's the inconvenience of it because I'm in and out a lot. So you, you, uh, you use that service. I'm almost 88 years of age. <laughs> and I, You're a busy lady. I sometimes don't get to the phone in time yeah, either yeah, and that's... because they had also reduced the ringtone. Instead of having about eight, uh, 10 or 12 rings, I now only have six rings, uh, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. It annoys me. By the time I get there, it's gone. But, but when you have the voicemail, you know the person can leave the message. Exactly. Okay. We are going to we're going to get on to air on your behalf. They're usually quite good to get back to us. So hopefully we'll get it sorted. But in the meantime, it's always good to put out these stories to see is anybody else ha- well, having the same I problem. Was you. I was wondering if there had been you yeah. know, the same problem. I, I think it's a problem in their automation thing. It, it does sound like that. It certainly does. OK, well, we'll keep we'll get back on to you, Joyce. OK, well, now, unfortunately, I'm having to go into Mallow's okay. office appointment at two o'clock. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. We will catch up with you at some stage once okay. we hear from here. God bless. Thank Thanks you. for joining us. That is uh, Joyce with her problem. As I say, I don't know if anybody else is having a similar uh, problem. OK, our competition for the Cozy Cafe Church, the Cozy Cafe Church Square in Kinsale, your cheesy uh, joke. And we, our winner today is not a cheesy, was not a joke about cheese. Which we've said it doesn't have to be about cheese, even though I still see cheese jokes uh, coming in. Hi, Patricia. Why did the traffic light turn red? You would do so too if you had to change in the middle of the street. And that's from Marie Lynch in uh, Tracton. Congratulations to you, Marie. You have won a special fondue night on Sunday the 3rd of November for you and four of your friends. We hope you have fun. And that's at the Cozy Cafe Church Square in Kinsale who are running cheese fondue nights between now and Christmas. And you can find out more about it uh, by going to their website, cozycafe.com. Net. It's cozycafe.net. 
We'll look for more of your jokes tomorrow, by the way. So do keep them coming. We're going to take a break and we're back with uh, Peter Dowdle. Uh, 1850 If you have a question for Peter, text WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Every Friday, we're counting down to the weekend, the weekend. by turning up the Feel Good. C103's Feel Good Friday brings you six hours of Feel Good Greatest Hits. Join Nick Richards from 1 and Martina O'Donoghue from 4 as we get you weekend ready. Weekend ready. Turning up the feel good for Cork. For Cork. Every Friday from 1. Feel Good Friday, only on C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 103. And Peter. Gardening on C103 with Bandon Co-op Garden Centres in Bandon, Kinsale and Enniskeen. For top quality plants, advice and value, think Bandon Co-op Garden Centres. C103. And uh, Peter Dowdle, the Irish gardener, uh, joining us on the programme. Uh, good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Trish. How are you? I'm very well. And John Paul was watching you on the TV yesterday talking about the gorgeous autumn colours. And it's thanks to our wet summer. Well, it's it partly thanks to our wet summer. It was... It, the, the, I suppose one, one of the things that he was asking about was the, is climate change affecting us and, and will climate change affect us? And of course, the answer to that is yes, it will. Climate change is going to affect everything. Um, and what happens when we get which we didn't get this year, but we did last year, when we get a very long, hot, extended dry season, trees lose their, their moisture, trees lose moisture through their leaves uh, via transpiration. So what they do when they're under stress from, from uh, an extended drought, they just drop their leaves immediately. It's like a safety mechanism. So you'd have noticed a lot of trees around the country last year in hedgerows all over the country. Uh, trees that hadn't gone through their autumn leaf drop at all they were just bare. They looked nearly like they were dead. They're not dead. They've come back. But it's the trees working, as I say, that a safety mechanism. They just drop their leaves so that they don't reduce or they don't lose water through transpiration uh, to the same extent. Uh, and of course, when that happens, the tree will survive, provided it doesn't go on for years. Mm. But the, the tree will survive. But you, you miss all the fantastic colour that we're getting to enjoy this year because we didn't get a drought. Yeah, it's, it, it is particularly, the colours are particularly magnificent this year, everywhere you go. Stunning. They're yeah, everywhere. They're yeah. really great. They're really good. Okay. Straight into questions because there's a lot coming in. Uh, Barry says, Hi, Peter. Can I give my roses any feed or nutrients over the wi- uh, over the winter? The reason I ask is they're newly planted roses. It, it would do no harm to use uh, use something like uh, farmyard manure or something like that because you don't really want to put on any any fertiliser as such. So give them a good mulch because you don't want to be feeding. You don't want to be promoting new growth as such during the winter. Um you want to help them to get established because any new growth that they will produce during the winter or any plant produces uh, will be then very tender and very vulnerable to, to frost damage. So you don't want to encourage new growth, new leaf growth, but you do want to make sure that they establish well. So a mulch of farmyard manure, I'm a great believer in that around roses, but don't when you're mulching, don't mulch up around the stem. You want to make sure the grass union, which is where the rootstock meets the, the cultivar, I don't want to get too technical on it, but you'll see it if you look for it. It's where the graft happened on the rose. You don't want to bury that. In fact, it's essential that you don't bury that. Um, so mulch around it, but just do leave an inch or two around the stem that you're not covering. 
uh, and that's all I'd use. And I'd start feeding it then with the nature safe granule, but in the springtime, I'd leave it off to the springtime. That's probably the best feed to use coming into the, the growing season, the nature safe. Okay, Jane says hi. Uh Patricia and Peter, question for you. I have a Cantoni Aster tree. It's supposed to grow to between seven and eight foot. It's a weeping one and the branches hang down. It seems to have stopped growing at about the six foot mark. So it isn't getting any taller, but the branches seem to be growing into the ground. How do I encourage it to go up and not down? It's six years old. It is a beautiful tree, but do I need to cut the branches up to encourage growth? Yeah, well, it's a good question, actually. And when I say it's a good one, it means it's a bit more difficult to answer. So, again, talking about grafting in, in relation to roses, these Cotoneasters are grafted as well. It's a mouthful of a name. They're a beautiful tree. It's Cotoneaster hybridus pendulus. But it's a, a really stunning tree, lovely evergreen tree. And talking about autumn colour, it's normally deciduous plants, obviously, that uh, colour up before they drop their leaves. But that, that Cotoneaster is one example of an evergreen tree, which also gives good autumn colour. And then, of course, you have the lovely berries on it during the winter, which the birds love, white flowers during spring and summer, which the bees love. So it's it's beautiful for the form seasons of the year, but it's also a good, very good tree to have from a biodiversity point of view. So it's a lovely tree to have. However, what happens is that the, the pendulous part of it is grafted onto the straight-stemmed Cotoneaster. And that's kind of where it's grafted kind of determines the height. Don't always go religiously, unfortunately, with the labels, because remember that whoever writes the labels, they're... They're a digital marketing or digital printing company, probably in London or somewhere. Mm. Um, the, the labels can be very generic. So you'd always need to get advice from where you purchased it as to the overall height and spread. However, on saying that, you would expect it to get to about seven or eight feet. So at the moment, all the growth is going into these hanging pendulous branches, uh, which is go- going down to touch the ground. So yes, I would, long-winded answer, but yes, I would reduce the, the, the length of the stems that are growing downwards, reduce them. It's aesthetics, really. You can reduce them by as much as you want. Um, and possibly, I don't know how old it is, but possibly stake it and leave the stake, get the stake firmly into the ground, but have the stake protruding a bit higher than the existing tree so that you can kind of tie it for one of those stems to grow up a bit as opposed to down, if, you, if, I can, if I'm explaining. Yeah, no, you are, you are. Um, so leave the stake a bit higher than the tree, tie it to it to encourage a few branches to grow upwards, and then naturally, once they have... Um, the others should follow. They, they, well, they will start weeping again, but once they've strengthened enough over two or three years, they'll stay up, if you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, it's just because it's still relatively young at six, six year old. Most likely it is, yeah. most likely it is, yeah. But I would say certainly prune the ones that are coming down a bit to thin it out and to put more growth into the, the top of the plant. Okay, how do you store geraniums for winter, asks Margaret? Well, bring them in anyway from, from outside. So bring, I'm, I'm chuckling to myself because mine are still outside. So it's a case of do as I say and not as I do. But if you have a glass house, it can be an unheated, it doesn't have to be heated, just an unheated glass house just to protect them from the frost. So a glass house or a polytunnel, uh, if they're in the ground, lift them and put them in the pot, into pots. If they're in pots, just move pot and all into, into the glass house and that should be protection enough for the winter. If you don't have a glass house, it can be a garden shed, but do make sure that it's not dark, so there needs to be a good bit of sunlight, natural light getting in there. Uh, watering isn't going to be essential or as essential over the winter as it is in the summer, but it is, will still be necessary. You'll still need to keep an eye on them once a week, maybe down to once a fortnight, then in December and January. Okay, Margaret also has what? It's a blue-flowered shrub 
Cenotitis. Cenotitis. Yeah, Cenotus. Cenotus. Yeah. Uh, it's gone very tall. Needs to be cut back with a saw. Will it grow back because it's gone very woody and the flowers are only growing on the tips of the branches? Yes, and that happens. They're prone to getting leggy and woody like that if they're not maintained during the year and or during the years. And unfortunately, they don't respond well to a harsh pruning now. Uh, so. If you cut into the wood that doesn't have any green growth, that woody growth that she refers to, uh, I don't think it's going to regenerate, I'm afraid, Margaret. I, I think um, you're, you're, you have two choices. You either cut it back gradually. So in other words, cut it back, ensuring that you're leaving some green behind, below the cut. But by, but by the sound of it, that means you'll only be cutting it back by a few inches and you need to go much more. But if you cut it back, leave some greenery below the cut, that will encourage it to green up lower down. So over a few years, you'll get there, if you know what I mean. Mm, mm. Uh, keep doing it. Keep cutting, making sure you're leaving greenery below. Uh, and it will green up in time. If you do it now in just one dramatic go, it'll most likely die on you. So if, you, if you're not willing to try to do it gradually over a few years, I'd say save yourself a job of work by pruning it and, and just whip it out and start again. Okay, and Deirdre wants to know, is it possible to get Lady Elsa May roses here in Ireland? It should be possible. Uh, wherever your local garden centre is, your nearest good garden centre, they should be able to order it in for you. Uh, like there's, there's a wealth of varieties and species available to all garden centres nowadays. Obviously, they can't they can't stock every single they can't, couldn't stock every single rose, let alone every single plant that's uh, that's available to them. But I would imagine if you have a good garden centre nearby, if you ask them to source it for you, they should be able to. Okay, and somebody has noticed fungi mushrooms on their lawn. Never had them before. Is that just the wet weather? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be worried. Don't panic when you see fungi. A lot of people panic automatically when we see toadstools and mushrooms. But actually, they're they're part of the rich tapestry. We need them. If we if we didn't have fungi in the soil, the trees wouldn't grow. Uh, we'd, we'd be kind of we'd be in a we'd be walking around a constant compost bin because none of the None of the organic matter or the leaves or anything that falls from, from the tree and into the garden, none of that would break down if it wasn't for the fungi. So uh, don't panic just because you're seeing it. it it's probably, probably, uh, and I'm going to qualify this by saying it's probably harmless and good for the garden, beneficial for the garden. However, uh, it does depend on what which fungi it is. There are some nasty ones. Uh, so I would say take a photograph. If it looks just like a white field mushroom, leave well alone, it's fine. Uh, if it's kind of honey-coloured or orange in colour, uh, maybe take a few photographs, send it into the radio station, I'll have a look at it, or send it into myself on Facebook, the Irish Gardener, uh, and we'll try and identify it if it's one of the nasties. But hopefully it's not, and I say the absolute chances are it's not. OK. All right, listen, have a lovely week. And you enjoy it. Thanks and we'll uh, talk again uh, next week. And of course, we're heading into a bank holiday weekend, so enjoy that as well. OK, that's where I have to leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we are back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock for another edition of the programme. And we have more of those cheese fondue nights to give away. We'll do that all again tomorrow. C103 Anthems. Three anthems. Weekday mornings from nine and evenings at seven. Cork's greatest hits. C103. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.